In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. All right, welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my friendly neighborhood podcaster is the one and only... Travis Ratz. All right, Travis. Uh, thanks for doing this with me, buddy. I appreciate it. Oh, always, man. This is this is what I do. I live for my Tuesday nights where I can work all day online, video conferencing, and then come home and video conference with you. Hey, you know what? That's good. Uh, on the Comic Exposure Podcast, we read comic books, usually a graphic novel or a trade, and we bring a guest on to discuss that book with us, kind of like a comic book club, but with... Or I guess like a book club, but with comics. I just I just ruined my own line. Uh, and so we picked a book today. We're going to talk Spider-Man Blue today. That's the book. So uh, if you read it, awesome. You can join us in the conversation, kind of listen into what we have to hear. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, no big deal. Maybe you just want to hear some people talk about comic books. That That's going to happen today. Uh, so we have a guest on the show today. Uh, this is a all Skype episode, Travis. All Skype. Yeah, this is what we're doing now, man. This is, we've it's, made it to 2016. We only Skype. I don't even talk to you in person anymore. I never have to see your face again. I enjoy your presence so much more when it's o- only uh, audio. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, our guest today is uh, one of the lovely people who follows us on Twitter. We had a guest kind of fall out, and I threw it out there uh, to our guest. I said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? And she said, I don't know about that. And I said, are you sure I, we could really use you on the podcast? So our guest today is Nika. Nika, go ahead and say hi to everybody. Hello. All right. Uh, <laughs> Nika, Nika, no pressure, but if this, is, if this doesn't work out, we're never talking to strangers again. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, better have just... some very poetic things to say about Spider-Man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I told her before the podcast, oh, it's, it's really low-key, no problem. I'm like, you better not screw this up, Nika, I swear <laughs> to God. No, no threats, no yeah. threats. <laughs> no threats, no threats. All right, and Nika, you're, you're on the podcast with us. You, uh, I've seen you tweet about Spider-Man Blue before. You even, I even saw you, uh, you did some, like, some, some art of your own that came out of your reading of Spider-Man Blue, right? Indeed, I did, yes. Awesome, and I thought it was a pretty—I thought it was a pretty, pretty sweet picture. So, uh, good job, good job. Thank you so, much. thank you so much. <laughs> so, Nika, you know, one of the one of the things we always uh, ask our guests before we start our conversation on the trade is we always uh, we have uh, uh, typically we have uh, a wide range of people who have experience with comic books and uh, superhero comics or indie books. So we always ask this question: uh, What was your first exposure to comics? My first exposure to comics was. It was funny because it was a neighbor that I had when I was a child. I was probably really young, and she handed me down her daughter's comics. And they happen to be Archie comics. So I guess that's my first experience with them. And as I got older, I ventured out on my own. I say older. I was probably like 10, 11, 12 years old. (laughs) And I ventured into the comic store by myself, not knowing what to do. And, of course, what do I pick up? Something Spider-Man-esque. 
<laughs> right. Actually, it was a Silver Sable that I had picked up on my own. But oh, I haven't yeah. heard that name in so long. <laughs> <laughs> and age, I know. Did I age myself? Or... <laughs> so my it... first. So Archie Comics was was kind of your gateway into it. Do you still read Archie now or no? I had stopped for a long time, and then what brought me back into it was Afterlife. That is such a good, like I I'm like good series, but it so infrequently comes out. But I I love it. I love it. Yeah, and it also makes sense too when we talk about you know uh, your uh, interest in Spider Man Blue. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this as we talk about the book, but I there are, I think there are a lot of connections you can make to that old Archie style of comic book storytelling and some of the things we're seeing happen in Spider-Man Blue. Definitely. Yeah. So excellent. It's, and so it's, it sounds like if you're reading Afterlife, you're still re- you're still in the comic scene. I mean, because Afterlife isn't a isn't a mainstream book that that you know people just talk about on the bus that's something that you you're going to shops uh to get or you're getting online so you're still um you're still picking up different titles from different publishers i take it yes definitely i'm still reading uh everything from everything there's not (laughs) there's not much i don't read i know it's so tough there's so many good things out there josh and i talk all the time is we will read these trades for the podcast and they'll be good, and we want to pick up the next one, but there's so much to read. And then you read a great uh, series or a great trade, and you read the next one, and you forget, oh, I really like that book. I never picked up the second issue of it, or I never I never continued. It's it's hard to juggle as so many good comics. Yeah, there's there's so much material out there. Uh, Nico, what is, uh, what's your favorite thing you're reading right now? If you, if you could pick your favorite book you're reading right now, what would it be? Thor. Definitely Thor. Thor. Yeah, definitely Thor. I read the the first, uh, I said probably the first six issues, like a trade's worth of it. I'd picked it up in singles, and I really dug the story, and then the reveal of who of, of who the new Thor was. It was kind of a, a kind of a fun dive into uh, into like that character, and I, I thought it was like a, it's a it's a really cool kind of like it's like a new take on Thor. But I feel like it, it kind of goes back and it's like this old school story of, you know, the monsters she's fighting and, and kind of what she's dealing with remind me of old Thor comics, too. Definitely intertwines even old fans, new fans, like anybody could really, I feel that they can just jump and dive right in and pick it up and read it and not be, oh, do I have to read past Thor to know the storyline and know what's going on? Because there's even new creatures, new places we haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Travis, uh, you want to do a quick summary of Spider-Man Blue for us? Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, before I do talk about the summary of Spider-Man Blue, I kind of want to talk a little bit in general about, about Spider-Man and why we kind of chose this book. Um, I I know I've been reading comics, comics since I was a little kid, and Spider-Man has always uh, been in the peripherals. I, I've always... I, I feel like I've always known 
the history of Spider-Man, know what he's like as a character, known his rogues gallery, known his love interest. But I didn't read that many Spider-Man books as a kid. So I was sitting down the other day and I was trying to think about where all my Spider-Man knowledge came from. Toby uh, Maguire. Toby Maguire. <laughs> but I mean, that was still like, you know, late, late teen. I was like 18, 19 when that 20, a movie came out. <laughs> Um, and there's like the animated series before that, and I'd seen him. He always he's always popping up in Marvel books, but I realized a couple months ago before before we kind of picked this book that I'm like, you know what? I don't think I've ever really sat down and read a Spider-Man run, like a really uh, long Spider-Man run, or even like a six part, seven part series. Uh, so that's why we were talking. Josh and I were like, "Let's do like a Spider-Man book." I know it's 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 you know a cornerstone superhero, and then it became about picking the book we wanted to do. But before we do that, Josh, Josh, what was your what's been your experience with Spider-Man? Because I think you were kind of in the same boat as me, weren't you? Well, I read I had more Spider-Man when I was a kid. So if if we go back in time and look at like uh, when my dad used to go grab comic books for me, Spider-Man was what I had. I had Spider-Man books. I had kind of like. But, like, inconsistent runs of it, right? So I had, like, um, a handful of them together, and then I wouldn't get Spider-Man, and then we'd go to, like, uh, a crappy Comic-Con in, in the town I grew up in, in, like, Saginaw, Michigan, and I'd grab a handful of Spider-Man books again, right? So it was never a series that I always continually got, but I read it back in the day when, um, remember when uh, McFarlane took over? Right, yeah. And he did the, the weird webbing. Like, the webbing looked all weird. Yeah, yeah no, he had some great covers. Yeah, that, that that's a Spider-Man I remember. And then Venom and kind of that era is is the Spider-Man I remember. But I haven't – I'm going to tell you, this is the first Spider-Man I've – Spider-Man book I've read uh, since I was since I was a kid. You know, it, it, it's been a long time since I've gone back and read Spider-Man. Right. And, Nika, what about you? Uh, it sounds like you're a, a Spider-Man fan true and uh, through – um, what do true you and think, blue. True and blue. Uh, what do you think? What do you What do you think attracts just kind of pop culture in general to Spider Man? I mean, uh, there are there are a lot of B comic book heroes that are created out of uh, this era, the nineteen sixties comics, nineteen fifties comics that didn't reach the the height of popularity of Spider Man. What do you think about the character has allowed uh, it to sustain so long? Maybe because he's relatable. He's kind of your... Well, I guess to me he's relatable. <laughs> Not that I'm a guy, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that might but... have something to do with it. The fact that, you know, you are uh, a different... You're, you're a, a woman and you could still relate to the character. Yeah, he's like... Oh, God. Put me in the spot and I don't know what to say. Oh. Um... <laughs> He's like just somebody you feel comfortable, like somebody you would have around, someone you would know, someone that he doesn't. I don't know. Right. Well, when Spider, when when Steve uh, Dicka and uh, Dicko, right? Yeah, Dicko. Dicko and um, Stan Lee, they always talked about, you know, the idea of putting Spider Man in that costume was so at that point in time. Um, it, a lot. There were a lot of mask off. You have your su- Superman and even like uh, Captain America and Batman. You could still see part of their face. You could tell it was a 
uh, a, a middle-aged white male underneath that mask. And you could tell how, you know, every, a lot about them just by their stature. But for Spider-Man, you know, keeping that mask completely, complete, you could be anyone. Spider-Man could be anyone underneath there. Uh, and so that was, uh, I think that might have something to do with his universal appeal, appeal. I don't know if it has to do with his endurance as a character, but certainly I think that uniqueness at the time when he was created. I think you also get, like, Spider-Man's a teenager, right? So when you, like, that first foray, foray into comic books for a lot of people is when they're young. So instead of, like, Batman, who's an old dude with a lot of money, <clears throat> or Captain America, who's a World War II popsicle, right? You get you get a kid who's in school, who's dealing with the same crap that you're dealing with. And on top of that, he also has to save the world, you know? <laughs> Right, yeah, and it's it's for for that age. One of the things I want to talk about is just the the Spider Man's humor or lack of humor at some points, but um, is really I think a, a, a really appropriate for that age group too. When you're just getting into comics, it, it's great costume. Anyone can be him. Relatable by the fact that he's a teenager uh, and going through the same issues that maybe you are as a reader at that time period. Very true. So uh, for Spider-Man Blue, for those of you who um, uh, are just listening to this for funsies and haven't read it, the quick kind of synopsis here. This is written by Jeff Loeb, uh, a story by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, I believe. But uh, Tim Sale is uh, the artist and Jeff Loeb, I think, the primary writer uh, on this book. And what we have here is it's kind of a a throwback. Uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, they did a bunch of these uh, series. They did Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, uh, Hulk Hulk Gray. I think they recently did Captain America White. Is their yeah, that's the one that's out right now. Right. And so their their whole design with this series of different colors on characters was to go back and explore some kind of foundational aspect of the character. To go back and really look at something that is core to the character that might not be something you see in the day-to-day or the issue-to-issue wham-bam, thank you, ma'am comics. So in this case, in Spider-Man Blue, uh, Loeb and Sale, uh, they they take Spider-Man's story back to um, he is in his late teens, and he it talks about his relationship with Gwen Stacy and also Mary Jane Watson. And so the story st- starts off. Spoiler alert: still not too late to turn off the podcast if you haven't read it. Um, uh, you know, Gwen uh, Spider-Man is visiting. Um, on Valentine's Day, the bridge where Gwen Stacy uh, is thrown from, right, where she where she dies. And the rest of the story is a flashback, and he narrates the flashback to when he first when he first met Gwen and how their relationship developed and the early days of Spider-Man when he was facing a lot of the different rogues in his, current rogues gallery and we see the relationship between him and Gwen develop and Mary Jane get, comes in the picture so we really get this kind of retro Spider-Man story told from the point of view of a now older uh, Spider-Man who is married to Mary Jane and he's um, thinking back on his time with Gwen and uh, that part of his life without too many spoilers I think that kind of sums it up Right, guys? Um, yeah, I'd say you're right. Yeah. Okay. 
so so let let's start right away kind of like with what we what our overall feelings are about kind of the about the story that's being told right what what are our overall feelings about it so nika what did you uh, you've read it before and i i just saw that you had read it again and so that's why I also was like, oh, she's be good for the podcast because she already just read it again. <laughs> so, so what are your what are your big thoughts on, on this story that this kind of look back for Spider-Man? What what hits you about this story? Oh, it hits you right in the feels. <laughs> it, it, it brings you it brings you to a place of. I guess remembrance, like uh, maybe somebody in your life, in your past life. Maybe somebody you liked in the past, or maybe someone you loved in the past, and it just brings those oh, those oh <laughs> feelings. <laughs> so do you, uh, you know the? I think this book is is promoted on the idea that it's uh, kind of uh, it's it, maybe at its core uh, uh, a love story. Right, and so I know when 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 I was we were picking out Spider-Man books, this one kept popping up. And the disclaimer when you read about this book online, uh, when you're looking at buying it, is that this isn't what you might consider the typical Spider-Man story. It's coming at it from a different angle. So, Josh, how what you know when we when you read those kind of warnings on it, or like, oh, this is great, this it's getting a lot of good reviews, but. It's not your typical Spider-Man story. What was your thoughts going into this? Well, here's what I like to do. I like to go completely blind into anything we read that I right. that I don't have any I don't have any I don't have any present stuff in. So that was one thing that I enjoyed is I I try I didn't look at any reviews. I, you picked it out, so I was like, "All right, Travis says we're doing it. I'm not going to look at anything about it." I mean, I'd heard about the kind of this color series from Tim Sale and, and Jeff Loeb. Um, I had been meaning to read Daredevil Yellow. Uh, that was when we were trying to pick a Daredevil story last year. That was one of the ones I thought, oh, man, that might work. We could that's like, a, you know, this kind of Daredevil encapsulated story we could do. What I knew is, I mean, I've heard it called this love story before, and I think it is a straight up love story. It really is. It's kind of this like you think about had they done uh, like that amazing Spider-Man three they could have gone this route, right? They could have, like, told this story in there somehow, you know? In the, the Spider-Man like, 3, didn't they kill off uh, Gwen in Spider-Man 2? 2, yeah. right? But so, if had they woven... Oh, so I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's all flat. I got it. I got you, yeah. It could start, I could see it starting off. He's talking into the recorder. Meanwhile, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, and so it is, I, at its heart, I think it is a love story. I, I think it's really kind of, you know, this tale of lost love and, and maybe maybe regret a little bit. But definitely, um, it's definitely, I mean, there's a lot of action in the story. There is, but it's all kind of surrounded with the commentary of Peter Parker talking about what's going on with his relationships. It's kind of triangle between him and Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. Yeah, no, it's. I, I think you're right. I think it's 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 a love story at its heart, and I think I think it has a lot of power in the fact that it 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 very quickly um, puts that in your face as a reader. You you know that okay, this is going to be a love story, and uh, as Nika said, you know, a remembrance story. We're talking about sentimentality here. This is a very sentimental story. Is it? I mean, my question to you guys: Is it 
overly does the sentimentality take away from the enjoyment of the story or does it affect how you read the story does it have any negative effects in the story Nico, why, why don't you go first on this one? What, what do you think? Does that sentimentality take a, sentimentality take away, or do you think it adds to this? Are Jeff are are the artist and writer leaning too much on sentimentality and not bringing in enough story? I think just because of the tone of the book that they're they're going off of nostalgia. They're going you know back to him. You know, we know that he's sitting somewhere in a room reminiscing about Gwen. So for the, for them to um, have that sentimental value, it didn't bother me too much, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that um, the, um, the sentiment, see, I love sentimentality. Like, I'm all about it. I As Nika said, I'm all about the feels. I, 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 I can get into this and strip away everything else because I do think there are holes in this uh, story. But I really like the sentimentality of it. But I can see how some people would read this and be like, oh, it's, it's, it's just so sentimental and it's lacking a little bit of, of plotting. Josh? I actually, I actually think that that kind of um, – that – it's a clever plot device, right? Isn't isn't this sort of like going back and kind of narrating this story? I don't know why he's recording it, right? Like maybe that's like a what's the who's he sending it to? You know, is he just like recording it for his own business? So, I mean, I, <laughs> you have reached that uh, uh, Spider Man's. I cannot come to the phone right now, but here's a lengthy <laughs> story about my dead ex girlfriend that you can listen to while you leave him. At, yeah, you know, I I kind of wonder like is that I enjoyed kind of it. I think um, all of that kind of made me not care too much about the other stuff going on, if that makes sense. I was more interested in that triangle and what was going on with that than I was about, you know, who was in the background orchestrating all the other villains. Right. And that's what I, Frank Mueller and I were talking about this on the podcast of his interview the other day. We were talking about X-Men. And we were talking about how X-Men, and you mention this all the time, Josh, that X-Men is essentially a soap opera, right? Oh, and yeah. for me, that was my favorite part of the X-Men books is when they weren't fighting and they, it was like, what happens when people stop being polite and fighting and start being real? And that's what I felt <laughs> like. I, was, I, I felt like this book takes what I like about the Spider-Man character, which is like how he deals with relationships, how he deals with paying rent. Uh, I like that more than the Wham Bam Spider-Man. I mean, I need that to have Spider-Man, but I'd like a 70% Peter Parker story and a 30% Spider-Man story would be my perfect mix for a Spider-Man run. Well, I think you got that with this book. I would say I would say it's a pretty Peter Parker heavy book. No, it, I, I yeah, he's he's Peter Parker is by far the lead in this book so much more than Spider-Man. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play some I'm gonna throw some things out there that I didn't like and you can you can feel free to um, uh, contradict or, or argue and Josh same way. I like the tone of the book as Nika said. I like it being a love story. I like the sentimentality of it. There's some great dialogue in here that's very Byron esque. And if you're like a hopeless romantic, you're like, oh man, that was written so well. However, I don't think. As a love story about two people getting to, or 
two, three people involved in this love triangle, I didn't believe it with the, I didn't really see where that was coming from. It felt rushed. I didn't buy why Peter loved Gwen so much. And I didn't buy why Gwen loved Peter so much. I don't, I, I would have liked to have had that fleshed out more about how, why are all these characters so enamored of each other? I, I can see that. What, what what do you think about that, Nika? No, I was going to say, at first when I read it, I was like, why Peter Parker? Why him? <laughs> like, what makes him so magical? Like, I didn't, at first I didn't, it was like, why is he the lucky one that has two girls basically rolling at his feet? Like, well, just as uh, Harry t- says in, in the book, he's like, well, seems like Peter has everybody falling to his her, his feet. Yeah, and I think you're right. I, I kind of asked the same question, right? Like, you've got Flash Thompson there, and he's, like, you know, the hunky football guy. Uh, but these two these two ladies are like, no, you know what? We really want the nerdy guy. That's 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 oh, who yeah. we're into. Jeff Loeb <laughs> is definitely playing to the crowd in this one. He's like, let me make the football player seem like the biggest douchebag. Oh, and this rich kid? Let me make him kind of an a-hole as well. I guess that leaves us with the nerd, and we're going to put the two hottest girls in town – uh, falling for him. No, I, I, I actually I think that you know Flash and Osborne are key characters in this because they are foils to Peter, and they do I mean, because they are kind of written as not the most personality attractive characters. If it's like if you're in a town, ta- if well, it's not a town, it's New York. <laughs> Apparently, New York only has like four people in it in the story. <laughs> but um, if you're in this and you and you have your options are Flash, Peter, and uh, Norman Osborne. Osborne, um, by comparison, Peter is just the least a holy of the group, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but is that is that what they see in Peter? And did I miss something? Like, was there is there like did I miss like a scene where where they have that moment where it's like, oh, okay, this is why I like you. I know Peter said that Gwen was good at science. You know, <laughs> he's like, she's good at science. That's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what you're getting in this is they are playing off the fact that you should know enough. They're assuming, right? Uh, I think that Jeff Loeb is assuming you know about the relationship between Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy from old comic books, from the older comic books. So he's using that as a cheat to be able to tell you this story in six issues instead of having to build this giant love story. He can go, well, everybody knows Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker. Everybody knows the love between Mary Jane and Peter Parker. So I don't have to explain it that much. Yeah. No, I get that. I get I when it's six issues. I mean, six issues isn't a lot of time to tell an epic love story, let alone an <laughs> epic love triangle story. You got to fit another yeah. one in there. But at the same time, since the idea of the book was to go back and re-explore this relationship, I don't think those old 60s Spider-Man books really – did much to i don't i don't think there was uh, from what i've read of the old stuff i don't think there was some deep insight into gwen and spider-man's relationship i think it was always very superficial and on the surface as to the reasons why they were together and i th- i just think that uh Loeb and sale might have missed an opportunity to have more intimate moments between peter and gwen um that would because the writing's there. Because if if he could take 
that dialogue and put that into a, even a four-page scene with just Peter and Gwen, I think that would raise the stakes and and the buy-in at the end, which I already had the feels, as Nika said. I already have the feels going at the end, but that would make it even more powerful. I want to miss Gwen like Mary Jane and Peter miss Gwen at the end of the story, but she's not a flesh-out enough character for me to do that, and... I don't see what Peter sees in her through Peter's eyes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, but I, I think it really boils down to that Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb, are, again, are using that kind of like, well, the relationship is there, so we don't really have to discuss it. But I think you're right. I think had you spent a little time on that, you left out one fight with uh, two v- vultures, and you'd be okay. <laughs> That's right. There's two vultures in this. <laughs> like weeks ago. All right, so what do you what do you think about the the villains in this Nika? Like as far as the uh, the fight scenes in here, how we're building up that the Spider Man story of this? We talked a little bit about the Peter Parker story. How do you think uh, a Loeb and Sale handled the actual Spider Man stuff in this? I like how he took he took an opportunity to use, I guess, core villains. You know, you got the goblin, you got rhino, vulture, um, you know, lizard in there. And the fact that he uses Gwen, Peter Parker has, you know, Spider-Man has to use Gwen and he figures out how to fight the rhino. You know, it, it was, it was a nice usage of. The classics rogue like, gallery. Yeah. 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 It was a nice, it was a nice nod to them, definitely. I thought. Which one? Which one of those rogues? Let's throw it out to like Spider Man. Which of the ones in here is your favorite Spider Man villain, Nico? Which Which of the ones he faces? Not necessarily in this story, but which one is your favorite Spider Man villain? Overall, yeah. Oh, Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Venom is this like hugely popular kind of like Venom and Carnage have like this 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 90s nostalgia that like that i think so many of us kind of like attached to why why venom that's that's hard to explain (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's what it is i guess it's just growing up in this uh, he was uh, to me he was just his character is built he was everything to me i was just like i want to be venom Run around my house. He he does have one of the coolest designs for any villain, I think, in both Marvel and in the big two. I think it's kind of cool because he is Spider-Man, but not only is he like evil Spider-Man, but his costume is evil too. You know what I mean? Like that that idea that that symbiote suit uh, is is evil on top of like him being opposite of Spider-Man. Like even the suit is evil. You know? It's like gross stuff. Like, you know, girls are made out of like... Uh, rainbows and puppy dogs and boys are like worms and dirt. Like it's like the manifestation of that. If I didn't clean my room as a kid, like there would be a venom underneath my bed. And I love how it always be like when it's displayed like in film or in cartoons. It's always just like this, and now this blob that just like creeps along. It has a personality of its own. Ask me who my favorite villain in this book is, Josh. Who's your favorite villain in this book, Travis? Raven, baby. Craven? I need me some Craven the the Hunter. I love me some Craven. So, we were originally going to read Craven's Last Hunt as our Spider-Man book. Yeah. So I picked it up 
Uh, and I was like, oh, this might be a choice. So I started reading it, and I knew very quickly it was a poor choice for a Spider-Man book because it's not a Spider-Man book. It's about Craven the, the Last Hunter, like <laughs> in, almost entirely. And so I was like, oh, not a good choice, but still a really great book that made me think about that character in a different way. So when he popped up in here, I had this like deep, dark version of Craven in my head and I was like, Ooh, Craven's on the scene. Shit's gonna go re- it's gonna go bad real quick. And so I thought like I thought he held his own as kind of like the big baddie at the end, even though I feel like that was a little bit rushed that the Spider Man story on there. I kinda liked the idea, like did you think it was Craven right away? Did you guys think it was Craven right away? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think it was Craven right away either. I'm trying to figure, like, in my head, who it is it? Who is it, right? And I'm like, is it Kingpin? Like, maybe he's wearing a furry coat? Like, Craven didn't creep <laughs> into my mind right away. I love that it was Craven, though, who's, like, testing Spider-Man, right? Like, I want to see, see everybody else try to beat him so I can learn how to beat him. Right, yeah. No, and I think that in the comic books... Uh, Craven is is pretty up there as far as Spider-Man villains are concerned, but nowhere ever in other media do you see people trying to bring in Craven. Like you're not, I don't think we're planning on seeing Craven in any Spider-Man movies anytime you know soon, what? are we? I, what do you have left? What do you have left for that newest iteration of Spider-Man? I think you go Craven. I, that's so Craven. Yeah, I think. people are craving some Craven. <laughs> uh, my favorite villain in here is the Green Goblin. <laughs> He's because it's the classic stupid looking green goblin in my here my favorite drawn character in this in this I, Josh is the green goblin well 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 picked i love green goblin because it's so it's such a goofy character right he looks like he's like a doctor seuss character almost like this like weird iteration of him in here and i love it and i love the back and forth between spider-man and and green goblin like all the dumb little joy, all the dumb little jokes that are between them, and where Green Goblin's like uh, a disappointment, just like my son, and all this stuff, and then Spider Man goes, uh, "But you know what they say? The acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. You know an awful lot about acorns, don't you? You're both plain nuts." And like that sort of back and forth banter is something I love about Spider Man. That that's like something that just gets me, even if it's the cheesier. The better, I think, when it comes to Spider-Man. <laughs> what, do we, what do you think about the humor of Spider-Man, Nika? Does it will it always play, or uh, what? What's what's your thought on that? Your take on the the humor in the Spider-Man books, or even in this one in particular? Some of it, I I think some of it kind of fell flat at some points. I was expecting a lot more, like more spider puns and more like I don't know, more. Yeah, I I agree. I, this is one of the things I, I that I have with Spider Man in general um, is I think his humor really depends on what the writer's hands you put him in. Like I've read some Spider Man comics where you know it's really great. Josh, this is I can tell this right up your alley because um, you know it, it does have that like kind of cheesy corniness to a lot of it, which is indicative of Spider Man. But I like a, a, an author who can also put like subtle innuendos in there as well <laughs> and make it work on multiple levels. But at the same time, it didn't throw me off in this book because I realized what Loeb was doing. He was throwing it back to the old quips of the 1960s Spider-Man um, and, and pulling from that generation of Spider-Man humor as opposed to being like, 
you know, um, making like Lady Gaga disco stick <laughs> innuendos, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that that I love kind of that old that old kind of throwback to it. And you had mentioned it earlier that Archie vibe to this, right? There is a serious Archie comics vibe to the scenes where it's Spider-Man and where it's Peter Parker in the gang, right? Yeah. Right. There's there, there's Peter Parker, there's the two different love interests just like that that Archie com, you know, Betty and Veronica. There's that there's that kind of that tale that runs through it. There's like his best bud, but instead of his best bud like loving hamburgers and being a doof, his best bud is like a rich douchebag, right? So, but yeah. There's yeah. a sort of there's a super kind of archy feel to it um, that I really dug, and I think that's like my love of like those old school comics to go back and, and read that stuff because there's some serious cheese in those old books, and I I eat it up. That's the stuff that I, I love going back and reading that stuff. Well, and so much I think of humor today in general is so referential. Like we're just it's just callbacks to pop you know pop culture or whatever. Thanks trendy, a lot, it's Family topical. Guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of Family Guy in South Park. But <laughs> I, that's why I like about the humor in this book is it's not referential. It, yeah, it's cheesy. Yeah, it's kind of like dad jokes in there. But at least they're not – at least they're not just like, hey, I'm just you know calling his villains different pop culture. Like, oh, he's up on the aftershave, Dave Bowie or whatever it is he's going <laughs> to he's gonna throw out there. I really like that sense. And I think it's crucial – because even though this book is a flashback and you get a sense that it's like 1960s, they really don't really nail down a uh, uh, a generation in this. Do you, did you feel like – I guess it was, kind, it was 60s, but at the same time it had kind of a modern feel. So he, he did a really good job of referencing back but not making it live in like 1968. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty timeless. Like, you can pick this up and know what, you know, not have a, such a specific um, time period. Yeah. Who, who would you recommend this to? What kind of uh, pop culture or, um, uh, you know, friend of yours would you recommend this to, Nika? Like, is, if, you, if you were going to say, oh, read this book, who would, it, who would you be handing it to? What kind of specific fan would you be handing it to? Well, like anybody who like definitely anybody who likes Archie, because you're gonna have that, you're gonna have that duel. Who do you love more? Is it Betty? Is it Veronica? Is it Gwen? Is it Mary Jane? Um, uh, definitely, if you if you want to get hit in the gut and you want to cry, I'll <laughs> you want know, you want to cry today? Here, read this. You want a little bit of action, but you don't want like blood splatter? Yeah, I got Spider Man Blue for you. You know right. what I mean? So, I this book is, reaches all audiences, really. I think it is a good... I, I think it's definitely a good gateway Spider-Man because the, the, the Spider-Man in this isn't too far off from Toby's Spider-Man, which most people who haven't read Spider-Man would be comfortable with the mythos of Spider-Man, the tone, the personality with it. So it's not like you pick this up and you're like... Uh, what is this? Like, I, this isn't this isn't the Spider-Man I know. Who are these characters? Why are there clones of Spider-Man? I don't understand what's going on. Um, or like me and Craven the Last Hunt. Why is Spider-Man not in this book? Why is Why is Craven Spider-Man? 
so yeah, I think this does have a really broad appeal over not just different types of fans, but different genders and different yeah, ages. I think you're right. I think it does have that that broad appeal of kind of um, anybody who kind of enjoys comic books can go or someone who maybe likes Spider-Man. I think that this is a good one. It hits all the rogues, right? You get a bunch of villains. There's some action scenes. There's a fight with every one of them. But then there's this other story on top of it that you kind of get into, you know? Right. Yeah. You, you get you get the best of both worlds. Like I said, it's like 70 percent Peter Parker. 30% Spider-Man, and then 2% Gwen Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that in every issue. If we break it down issue to issue, there's like, there's this fight, right? There's like a fight scene in every issue. So it's never like just a bunch of Peter Parker. You get to like break in with the, oh crap, the vulture showed up, or oh crap, Rhino's here. You know, you kind of get that the stakes are kind of built in behind it. Like, not only does he have to deal with, like, what woman am I falling in love with, but then he has to deal with all of the the extra crap of being a superhero. Or And I think that's, like, a placeholder for – I think that's – to go back to what we talked about, what he's relatable, I think you get to see him deal with life, but then you get to see him deal with all the extra crap. And I think we all have extra crap in our lives, like, stuff that happens – that we have to kind of deal with while we're figuring out relationships, while we're figuring out how to make money, while we're figuring out how to finish school or whatever it is. And so we're like, oh, yeah, man, like my student loan debt is my vulture, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, you, you nailed it, Josh. I like this book. I, I think it just – it's it's nothing too deep, but at the same time, as you said, it, it resonates because I don't think this is it, – it is a – yeah, as you said, at its core, it's a love story. But I think it, it goes beyond that. It's about you know how to deal with loss. Um, and this is a character that we know at this point in his life when he's starting at the beginning of this book, Spider-Man Blue, this is a guy who's lost a lot, starting with his parents, his Uncle Ben, thousands of – uh, superhero friends along the way um, and you know in a life like that in a fast-paced life people are like oh you know you, you know uh, you know you lose someone time heals all wounds you get over it you move on you move on you move on and you see Peter moving on but at the same time you see him not forgetting and I think you know it, that beautiful sentiment of every Valentine's Day he goes and he leaves this rose on there and he does this recording tour and you see all these tapes of previous Valentine's Days. It's like, yeah, this tragedy hasn't stunted Peter as a person, but he he hasn't he hasn't and he might have moved on, but he certainly hasn't forgotten Gwen. And I think that's an for me that was a really resonating message about loss and. I would give this book to a fan uh, who, who I would give this book to someone who's not a superhero fan who had just lost someone they loved, especially like someone who's younger and maybe not knowing how to deal with those emotions as much or a cathartic release. Talk about your your psycho psychological exercises, record messages to people that are no longer with you talking to them. That's got to be in like psych 101, right? somewhere i would imagine so yeah so i i loved i loved the tone of the story and i love the message behind the story i i did have some issues with some of the the pacing and the plot and some of the relationships but all in all i thought this was a um this is a fun comic read a fun 
just good writing. But let's talk about my favorite part, the art. All right. And Nika, I want to start with you. Uh, since you're new to the comic exposure family, do you have a favorite artist working in comics right now? Um, oh, that's so hard. There's so many people that I, I just love art. I'm like, it's hard to just say your favorite of anything. So but, what, oh, go ahead. But Fair had to pick, like, in particular, one. We don't know. I don't know. If you follow me on Twitter, you may see that I have a little, <laughs> a little too much, or maybe not too much. Nothing is too much. But I'm a big fan of Francisco Francamiga. Oh, he's so, so good. Yeah. So I'm. He's probably he. He would be. If I had to say a favorite, he would be my favorite. There Excellent. is there is something effortless about like Franca Villa's art, but I could never do it. But he like pulls off these really fast drawings on Twitter all the time, and I'm like, good god, that is amazing. But like, it seems like he just like sits down and slops something down, and it's just great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's, ama- it's amazing. Him and uh, there's Robert Hack. He does Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, there's a there's a lot of talented artists, so many that inspire me. But I would love I had... to see. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. I said I would love to see. Like, uh, you know what? Now that we're talking about this, I think I'd love to see Frank Via do a Spider-Man story. Yeah. <sighs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you got a second on that one, Josh. <laughs> I think it, I think it'd be pretty cool. I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, so. What about what do you think about the art in this, uh, Nika? What what did you did you enjoy it? Was there anything that you thought was really great about it, or anything that you you didn't really like? What do you think about the art overall for, for this book? I mean, his art, the his line, his soft line work, his his attention to detail. Is I'm looking at it by the way as I'm talking. That's why if I'm <laughs> pausing, uh, just everything. I love I love the way it's drawn. I really I like that it's not too. I don't know how to say, like too busy or too so so much detail. It's very minimalistic. It's very clean, crisp. Like <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. It's definitely a clean book. There's some times where. It's really, it's Spider-Man, and then there's just, like, maybe one color behind him, right? And then there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of blue in, in this in this book. And so there's, like, panels where everything is shadow, and like, black, and then there's that blue behind it that, that that's the light, and then Spider-Man's in it, right? So there's some detail in the background, but nothing too specific. But I think it really lets you focus in on the characters in those panels. No, you're and right. You go ahead. No, even the use of like how Gwen's hair, there's different yellows. Like there's, her hair is such a bright yellow. And if you look, there's certain um, panels where there's soft yellows and just different tone, you know, colors of yellow, the use of yellow. And yeah. it's just like, wow. You, I was like, wow, so many uses of yellow. Who knew? And, but still, she, you, she, there she is, pop, you know, Gwen and her beautiful yellow hair. <laughs> <laughs> or, and then when you get to finally see, you know, 
Mary Jane, it's, you know, her lips and the reds and the pinks. It's, I love the color. I don't want to mess up his last name, but the color is Steve. Oh, you know, I don't even know how to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even going to mess up his name, but his, <laughs> his use of color is just just that pop, like that pop style. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like this real kind of like um, that is really poppy. You're right. It reminds me of kind of that that Liechtenstein or that um, Andy Warhol kind of that pop art feel to it. Would you agree, Travis? Yeah, you know, and that's something that um, I, I love this the art in this book. I I can't talk about it as uh, poetically as you guys can talk about art. I'm not an artist, but I'll tell you what. Um, Tim Sale's art in the past on Batman has kept me away from reading uh, epic Batman runs like Long Halloween because it just didn't work for me in that environment, like those dark shadows of Batman and um, the way he was doing it. For this, it's a, it, I think it totally works for Spider-Man, especially this kind of 1960s vibe pop Spider-Man. And you nailed it, Josh, when you were talking about those backgrounds and the color, Nika, you were talking about. Both those things working together and bringing out the characters. All these characters with, you know, have such great expressions on their faces. Uh, and at the same time, even though there's it's sparse in backgrounds at points, there are scenes like where Peter's at the kitchen with Aunt May and you see the whole kitchen behind him and it just feels lived in. Like his world, when he does do the backgrounds in it, it feels like a lived in world. And I, and I, I, I appreciate that in the book and, and the colors, I don't know which I like more, the, the coloring or the art, but they they blend together so perfectly. There's like every everybody has like a color on them that pops, right? Like Nika, you said that like you've got that red of of Mary Jane's lips or like the the yellow of, of Gwen Stacy's hair. And whatever scene you see them in, that's that big thing that sticks out, right? Like there could be all this stuff going on, but there's this this one powerful color. You always see kind of uh, Peter has this kind of, you know, blue jacket on a lot, kind of reminiscent of being Spider-Man. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Harry Osborn has a green suit kind of, you know, you see him in this kind of green suit. and You're like, oh, there's there's, you know, he's got money and there's this play with color that I think really is kind of cool. You get this whether the backgrounds are kind of soft yellow around uh, Gwen Stacy, like you said. Um, to kind of build on that idea or the blue that's kind of surrounding Peter Parker throughout this story, kind of those colors make you feel something as you go through it. Excellent. So I think we should, um, uh, our last thing we do on the the podcast when we talk about a book, Nika, is uh, we always talk, pick a favorite panel. And I think we're probably springing that on you. Um, but um uh, so, jo actually, you know what? I'm going to go first, guys, this time, because after hearing you guys talk about art, uh, I feel like you'll have more to say about your favorite panel than, <laughs> than I will. Um, my favorite panel happens in my favorite scene, which is the apartment scene where it's snowing outside, uh, Peter's sick, and Gwen and Mary Jane come to nurse him back together. Uh, now, again, not my favorite I don't think it's I don't think it's the most amazing artistic panel, but it is the panel that made me feel uncomfortable and snicker to myself at the same time. And that's on the bottom right. I wish they numbered these pages. But Gwen has just walked in, Peter's in bed, and we see the back of Peter's head and Mary Jane 
and Gwen are like fighting over him and you can't see the front of Peter's face just the way he's drawn and they have his hair going up you could just feel the uncomfortableness on his face and I, I just love that scene for the way it from the way it plays very cinema like a very um farcical um humor in that yeah I can I can see the one you're at there's like this um like his hair is all mussed up he's yeah. in it yeah, that's a really you've got both the girls really close to him and you can feel that tension that's right. building there. Yeah. Uh I would say uh Nico, why don't you go next? What what's your what's your I mean, I thought I told you favorite panel, but I definitely yeah. could have not told you. So <laughs> I don't know if this is a I don't know if I sprung this on you or not. <laughs> no, um I think I have a favorite panel. And it's actually way before um he's sick in bed with um Gwen and Mary Jane, but it's, I don't even know what to say if it's just a panel or actually the whole page, but it's when um, Gwen is dancing, and you see Gwen and that use of color again, and you see her hair, and you see, and Mary Jane is telling her, you want to dance, and she, all the characters on that page, it's like they're in their moment, they're, they're the most vulnerable right there, and then you see Flash, and he's just waiting and looking for Spider-Man. And it's like, you you want to cue like a Foo Fighters song. Like, there goes my hero. Where's he at? <laughs> you know? and I just think that whole, it takes, a, it shows, for me, it shows maybe that's how he saw Gwen. Like, at her, that was, maybe that was his best, not his best memory, but, but that how he saw her, you know, and because she's the most most beautiful there she's smiling carefree so that's what i yeah that's my favorite page and a a great point too i think the art does so much where the story for me fails to establish the 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 closeness between peter and gwen i think the art fills in that gap really well and helps it make that that connection where maybe the uh, lobe the writer didn't is the looks they give each other and their body language around each other. I mean, sale. This is I've I've seen a lot of sales work, and this seems like a like a, like a like a passion project for him, like something crafted out of a lot of love for this story uh, in Peter's life. And I think that's that's an excellent point, Nico. Is that you know that that art sells that relationship where maybe the words can't and the plotting can at all at all times i think yeah, that that def- scene no oh, go ahead i'm sorry no i was gonna say definitely that i there was some parts where i just felt like just the artwork you know i just fell into it they i mean like trying to look well maybe because i draws but <laughs> i was like deep into the line work like wow how did you do that no i'm i'm, I'm flipping through it again too and hearing you talk about the art so passionately makes me look at it again I'm like yeah this is so good <laughs> josh what about no, you buddy yeah. what, what's I your favorite that, panel that scene that nika just talked about is a kind of a great scene just to keep on it because you, you get to see like everybody kind of be themselves right like you see um flash who wants to be something bigger than what he is you see, like, you see Harry be, like, smarmy, right? Like, hey, buddy, the party's over here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then you see the two girls kind of, like, they they don't, they're not, like, against each other, but you see this sort of, like, 
this tension between them, but at the same time, there's this kind of carefree attitude between the two of them. But that's a really cool scene. Mine is mine is uh, pretty early on, and it's because, like I said, uh, I I love me some Green Goblin in this, and so <laughs> uh, early on in that Green Goblin fight, um, for me, I have the digital version. It's on Kindle, so it's like location 16 of 138 that doesn't help anybody but it's it's early on it's in the first issue (laughs) it's in the first issue and uh there's this explosion right like peter parker grabs the pumpkin bomb throws it back at him and he the the green goblin is so cartoony in this scene like his feet are so like the pointy socks it's like the grinch (laughs) yeah he's so grinchy (laughs) And I love, I love the color in it. I love the explosion color with the green and the purple. I love the the warum, like the the giant sound of the explosion. And that to me is that that little panel right there is classic comic book. And that's that's something I tr- I truly love about the medium is even modern day comic book artists when they go back and give me like a giant sound effect like that, I love it. I eat it up. And so the sound effect and the the placement of it and the, the the how the lettering is wiggly to go with the explosion, all of that just makes me love that panel so much. That's a good panel. All right. All it's, right. It's that, well, that's that, that time. time. It's that time. Uh, <laughs> we want to thank you, Nika, for being on the podcast. Um, um, I think that we'll ha- continue to have more strangers on. You didn't blow it. We're you know we've opened the doors. We've opened the floodgates. So all you freaks and weirdos. Um, no, but uh, we want to thank you, and uh, you know I can tell you, you have a true passion for this book and for art and for the medium of comics, and so that's what we want to do here. I, we hope that someone listens to this, whether they've read it or not, make them take a second look at Spider-Man Blue, uh, if not just for the art's sake, and maybe get some new readers who are like, wow, that's really uh, that's really passionate about that art. Let me see what they're talking about. Unfortunately, this is a really hard book to find in print, so you might want to check your uh, uh, Kindles. You can- you can get it if you get all three of them together. You can get uh, a collection of Hulk Gray, Spider-Man Blue, and Daredevil Yellow. Oh, nice. There's a hardcover of hardcover. all three of them. Yeah, there's a hardcover uh, okay. of all three. It's a little pricey, but you could make it happen. I bought mine was a used library book they sent me from Amazon. <laughs> Mine's digital. I read it digital on Kindle. I think it was like... Five ninety nine or something like that. Oh, nice! I got off. I got off pretty cheap with it, so I was pretty happy about it. And Nika, thank you much for coming on. Uh, you can find if you want to check out some of Nika's art. She does some some different pieces. You can check her out on Twitter at Really Famous. Is that okay? That I just that I just told everybody your Twitter handle. I guess now. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can find her on Twitter. She's got some art up there. She's always posting some comic book stuff and some art. Uh, I love kind of seeing your posts about stuff and, and kind of uh, that's one of my favorite things about running the Twitter is kind of interacting with all of these people who are passionate about comics. Uh, so Travis, you and I, our next podcast oh, is wait, probably before, be a- before we get to the podcast. Okay, we got to plug our Spotify playlist for Spider Man Blue. You can go. Um, uh, it'll, that'll be up on our website. Uh, website. Web spike. Uh, it'll be up on our website. Um, uh, we did a Spider-Man Blue playlist, and you can Google Comic Exposure on Spotify and check that out. And what's up next, Josh? Uh, next, you and I are probably going to do a uh, – we've got a variant issue where we're just going to BS about comics. Uh, and then we are doing Chrononauts uh, with an old, old friend of mine. 
uh, from back when I was a kid. We started reading comic books together. He kind of fell out the same way I did for a while. So I'm really kind of excited to connect with him and see what he thought about it. So we're going to do Chrononauts or or Chrono, Chrono, I think. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, Image Comic, we're going to do that one next. Uh, And then we've got new books coming up. You and I are setting the list for our next four. So keep checking uh, the Twitter, so at Comic Exposure, uh, or the website, www.comicexposure.com. Nika, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next trade.